0: to the February 21st, 2017 edition of the Oilcast. Unfortunately, the Oilers' three-game win streak came to an end tonight after a 4-1 loss at the hands of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Today, I'll be hitting on Laurent Bassois in the start and what's in the cards for him going forward, Connor McDavid being outplayed by a counterpart, I know, crazy, Say it ain't so, Joe. a mid-game line shuffle and an impressive showing from the first line. But first, the recap. So the Lightning struck quick in this one, taking advantage of Brandon Davidson's stick betrayal, which snapped on him off a point shot. It resulted in a two-on-one where Nikolai Kucherov found Andre Palat for the one-time goal. The rest of the first period was relatively sluggish, and the Lightning definitely outplayed the Oilers. Then in the second, Andre Palat scored his second of the game just 16 seconds into the period off a Chris Russell turnover. It was Tyler Johnson that fed Palat with some beauty sauce, as he made no mistake on another one-timer. Then less than halfway through the period, John McLellan must have seen enough from his forwards because he put Leon Dreisaitl back on the wing with McDavid and Maroon. But it actually wasn't the first line that struck for the Oilers, it was the fourth. Eero beat Ben Bishop with a wrister for his first goal of the year, cutting the deficit in half heading into the third. But the Lightning scored early again. It was Kucherov beating Bersua blocker side just 49 seconds into the third, reclaiming that two-goal lead. And then just over a minute later, the Oilers had one taken away. Uh, Oscar Klefbaum blasted one from the point after a dominating 4-on-4 shift from that whole line with uh, him, Larson, McDavid, and Drysidel. But John Cooper successfully challenged it for an offside call. And it kind of felt like that took all the air out of the Oilers, and they didn't really mount much of a comeback the rest of the game. Uh, The game ended up finishing up 4-1 after a Tampa Bay empty netter. So... Um, I can't say I'm too surprised with this one. It is, I mean, they're they're on a road trip. Tampa Bay's been hot. They have six points, or they've they've now got points in all all of their last seven games. And I mean, the the big thing that was the big factor was Cam Talbot finally got a break, and that was a little bit surprising. It kind of came out of nowhere. Um, this uh, this morning when it was announced, and it was only Laurent Brossois' second start of the year. Um, he did play very well in his first start, but I mean. At the end of the day, this is a guy that's been in Bakersfield most of the year and finally getting an opportunity. Um, and uh, here's a quick clip of McClellan on on Laurent Brassois starting this game and why he decided to. Well, we've got to get LB some games. We play back-to-back. Uh, we're on a long road trip. Uh, Talbs will get his work in. Um, the one thing with Cam is he gets a little bit of practice time right now with, uh, with the goaltender coach, and um, he'll be back in, uh, in the net tomorrow. So, I'll be honest, I was a little alarmed actually when I looked at uh Bersois stats in Bakersfield because I mean, you think when a guy gets brought up from the minors, he's probably had a pretty good season, but he's actually 9 and 8 with a 267 goals against and a 908 save percentage. Those are below average stats and to be brought up from there, I I mean, that's not exactly a great thing when you when you're when you need someone to spell your starting goalie. You need someone who's going to be able to do it and bring consistency and confidence for the rest of his players. Um, I want to review a little bit of what I thought he did in today's game. And uh, all in all, I'm going to give him... Mm, let's go with a C-. It really wasn't a good performance, but oddly enough, I don't think any of the goals were actually goals that a goalie should always stop. Um, I thought the first goal was nearly impossible. It, was, it would have been an amazing save if he made it. The second one was very tough as well. It was the third one that really bothered me, and although it wasn't one that you, you need to stop all the time like in a vacuum, but it was, it was the beginning of the third period. The others were down 2-1, and it was You could probably feel like the Oilers, they were still confident. It was down 2-1, and we're a good team. Um, but he gave up a goal that you just... It's it's the kind of goal that I've been raving all year about Cam Talbot, that, that that's a save he makes. That's a save that no Oilers goalie normally makes, and Cam Talbot's been making them all year. And he just didn't make that one, and it really put the Oilers behind the eight ball going down 3-1 against a good defensive team like Tampa Bay. Um, the other thing that even before that, that goal where I was really concerned watching Laurent Bossois thinking that he might actually be our backup goalie the rest of the year is his rebound control was awful today in the first period alone there were three separate times where he gave up bad rebounds not not like maybe should have done that one a little better but bad rebounds that could have resulted in goals the second one he had a second period an atrocious one and uh, I don't know if he had one in the third but all in all it was it was consistent consistently bad in terms of rebound control and sloppiness and movement side to side it was he was getting his chest was coming too far down and he was falling a little bit forward and losing his position and his uh his balance and i mean let's let's I'll, I'll put it in terms of when the Oilers got it back to 2-1 in the second period every time the rest of the period that the bolts had a chance i was very uneasy feeling like this was going to go in and uh and and we were going to be down 3-1 and put behind the eight ball so i i, I want to be clear that you can't or I can't, I can't just go off here and say Laurent Bossois is terrible, he should never play again. It's been one game. I mean, he hasn't proven himself to be an NHL goalie to this point, but you're not going to give everything off this one game. Um, the only issue is that the Oilers are under a time crunch in terms of deciding whether or not he's good enough to be their backup going forward. Um, you're obviously not looking for, for him should say Talbot go down if Talbot goes down I mean the season's over ultimately I mean we don't have a chance of going further in the playoffs without Talbot but we need someone to spell Talbot later in the season I mean this the stats are unbelievable when you look at when you look at how many games and everything Talbot's played I mean he's three clear in terms of games started over the second place goalie and, and uh over 200 minutes clear of second place as well um and he's been great this year but at the end of the day this is a guy that was a backup behind uh, Henrik Lundqvist for years and had only played 36 games maximum before he came to the Oilers last year where he played 56 he's already almost there this year with 53 so to even though every time any anytime he's asked or anything you hear is oh Cam Talbot's feeling great he's got no issues he's good to go he feels awesome yeah that makes perfect sense he's a goalie who's been playing great all year and hasn't hit a wall because it's only game whatever it is, 60 of the year. And I mean, sure. It could have been possible. He would have hit a wall by now, but you don't expect him to hit that wall until maybe, maybe, maybe it comes when he slumps a little bit more and and it and it becomes mental as well. And he realizes, Oh, this is kind of catching up to me, but I don't want Talbot to be playing nearly this much. These last few, these, uh, I'm, I want to preface this, actually. I want to stop a, a second and say that this is assuming 10 games from now we're really locked into a playoff position. Maybe not clinch, but certainly locked in. Um, once we get to that kind of point, I of course I want to jockey for position. Of course I want all that stuff. But I think there's way more value in being able to get four or five more starts for a backup goalie than to maybe squeak out one other win by playing Cam Talbot until, he, until his legs fall off. So, I mean... What I, my big takeaway from this game in in, in terms of that is you're looking at Laurent Boursois, and I, we've got now 10 days until the trade deadline, and Boursois definitely needs to get another start sometime soon. Maybe on the, maybe, maybe, maybe the last game of this road trip, maybe the first game back home, I'm not sure, but I think he definitely needs to get another start, and at that point, Coach McClellan and and uh, GM Todd Shirelli or Mike, Jesus, Pete Shirelli um, can, can talk amongst each other and decide, do we need to get a backup goalie that can spell Cam Talbot or is LB good enough to hold in for the time being? But I just think that that's something that they really need to figure out and give him one, maybe even two more starts before the trade line to make that decision. The next thing I want to talk about is somewhat of an anomaly in the world of hockey nowadays is that. Connor McDavid was outplayed by his counterpart. Uh, Coach John Cooper of the Tampa Bay Lightning made a concerted effort to do everything he could to make sure the triplets, the line with Tyler Johnson centering Andre Palat and Nikolai Kucherov, were against McDavid every time he came out on the ice. Uh, it was really impressive, actually, to watch Tyler Johnson, the way he was kind of just in the back pocket of McDavid the entire time. Um, followed him the whole game and kind of always just had to stick around his waist, trying to do everything he can, slacking, slashing, hooking, and just kind of slowing McDavid down the best he could but it wasn't just the on the defensive end uh, all 3 of the five the goals without basically the goals with a goalie in net uh, came from that line Andre Palat had the first two and Kucherov the third the entire line had 7 points so all I really want to do is kind of point out and just be I'm very impressed with what I saw from that from that line and based on all the reports they've done much better in recent weeks as the uh, as the Bolts of research. so I just want to kind of congratulate that line um, but I don't know if it was based off of the um, the of McDavid's line being slowed down, or if it was more so because Drysidle's line wasn't doing much, and as usual the third line wasn't doing very much. Um, but Todd McClellan did a, uh, shuffled the lines halfway through the second period, which I was really surprised about. He went back to the well of Drysaddle playing on the right wing with Connor McDavid and Patrick Moon on the left wing, and I mean. I understand where he's coming from when they're when they're not doing very much and you know what you have in that line and what they can potentially produce and the one thing I do wonder is maybe he was trying to send a message to the rest of his guys uh, that's the only thing I can really think of that makes a lot of sense because to me I'm looking at it and saying number one even when that line was great you look back to when they were together and you saw how much the secondary scoring lacked and what the rest of the Lions were not able to do, essentially. So I take issue in the idea that he's not going to let the Lions work through a bad game. Um, Obviously, you are looking back, and Chicago wasn't a great game all in all, uh, even though they got the two points, but you, you look at it and say, this is a team that's sitting pretty in terms of the playoff position. They've got a bunch of depth that's not really working out too well right now, but why... Why wouldn't you let them work through it? You know you're going to get production from whatever line McDavid's on. Maybe they don't score every single game, but you're going to get the production that you're going to get. I think Leon Draisaitl has proven in his time with his, game, uh, with his second line to himself that he can carry a line. You might need to figure out which line makes work absolutely best, but I think he's absolutely proving to be a guy that can carry a line by himself and get you that secondary scoring there and obviously when you look at the the other the three guys that everyone's naming that I've named um Lucic, Eberly and Ridget Hopkins they just haven't produced really um, there's the exceptions of course Hopkins and uh, and Eberly scored a couple games ago and Lucic had the big one last game but they they're obviously the disappointment and I don't know really what I can say to, to, that that'll turn them around right now but I just I look at it and this team has such they're they're put in such a good position right now such a better position than we all imagine that they would be in and so i don't understand why you wouldn't just work through things let your let your teams kind of let your lines kind of figure it out give them the game or at the very least i'm cool with the line shuffle i totally understand line shuffling but don't put mcdavid and dry settle together right now because you know we can go back to that well at any point whether it's whether it's the third period of a game or whether it's just you want one game to sprite, spruce things up or whether it's a power play whatever or I shouldn't say power play that makes no sense but other than that I mean you're looking at you can throw McDavid and and, and Saddle together any time to give them a spark but I don't like going back to that well that you like I want that to be maybe a little bit more of desperation or a situationally. I don't think that you should be putting them together right now when you can try to work through and see if you can somehow get three balanced lines of scoring. That's what I'm looking for. And I just don't think he gave much of an opportunity um, in these last few games to do so. I thought you should give him some more time. Um, now we've talked about, I've, I mentioned only the first three lines there because I made specific effort not to talk any shit about the fourth line because They really impressed me today, that Matt Hendricks, um, Iropa Karinen, and Mark Letestu did fantastic today. Um, I want to make it clear that it wasn't the goal that made me write this. I'll kind of give you a timeline of my notes, because first, after the second goal making it 2-0, I wrote down, how will the Oilers respond? And the next shift after that, Hendo came out and absolutely dominated the puck along with his line mates, um, and then... At the end of the whistle, he unnecessarily started shit. He didn't need to, but he went in there, and it was clear that he was trying to spark something, and I was very impressed with that. And not just that, the next shift that came out, it was a 40-second three-man cycle in the offensive zone, and that was when I wrote down I was really impressed with the fourth line. The first period, I thought they had a couple of good shifts, but that second period really impressed me. And then, of course, Pac-Man scored his first goal of the year, and now I'm like, okay, I've I've got to talk about these guys because... He scored the goal that brought it back to 2-1 and it was the previous two shifts that I think really turned the tide in the game. Um, Specifically uh, Hendricks who's just been playing fantastic these recent games but I want to give credit to all of those guys. Um, Another good game from Letestu and great to see Pacorin and score. Uh, He actually has three points in his first four games back since injury so great to see him stepping into the fourth line and being able to develop a role. Um, And I kind of want to let that bleed into the next thing I wanted to talk about, which was the Oilers bonding as a group. Uh, Chris Westcott of the Edmonton Journal wrote an article discussing the palpable sense of camaraderie uh, that he felt as the team was growing closer throughout the road trip. He, he, wrote it, he wrote about how this was a feeling that he hadn't gotten covering the team in a really long time um, and was just basically saying how th- this, the tightness of the team was so noticeable and he was really impressed by that. And I want to give you a little bit of a quote from Matt Hendricks uh, from when he was talking to Chris. Uh, he said, I think we've got a good group of guys that's coming together at the right time in the season. You bring up the word camaraderie, and I think that's a good word for our group. We've got a great team, a great feel in the locker room, and everybody is recognizing their role in our team, and we're playing pretty good hockey. So, I mean, maybe this is just because this is my team, and I'm happy, and this is great. But, I mean, it's it's great to see this is the way things are going with them, Um you, you you heard Andrew Ference just a week ago talk about how the twenty thirteen to fifteen Oilers wouldn't go to war for each other, and that's definitely not the case this year. And I kind of want to relate this back to the Philadelphia game with Brandon Manning and how impressed I was with every seemingly every player, and especially every big guy, going after and taking their shots at Manning and doing everything they could to say. McDavid, we've got you. Whatever, whatever happens, whoever does anything to you, we've got your back. Even Drysdale taking that extra shot at him was just awesome. And so it just bodes so well going forward, not just to the playoffs this year, but years forward. And really, really happy to see that. Um, the last thing, I, I don't have an update. Uh, they're, they're, we haven't heard anything. That's one of the unfortunate things about doing this right after the game is I won't be able to get you an update. So you'll have to check Twitter, see online, do something for that. Um, but Adam Larson left early in the third period and went straight to the locker room. So again, no update, but all I can quickly say on that is I hope for the best, and we obviously can't afford him being out long-term. Uh, now we're going to read a bit of your tweets with some hashtag Oilers. Um, I'm going to start with David Short. He said, looks like our fourth line is the only group that came to play tonight. Hashtag Oilers. And I'd like to say that I agree with you, David, the only thing I will say is that the third period, I want to point out that although McDavid's line didn't do very much the first two periods, I thought he and Dreisaitl were fantastic in the third period. Dominated every shift out there and just wanted to point that out. Then from Mitch Hauser, has Kajula ever hit the net? Hashtag Oilers. Very fair point. He missed a great chance in the second period. Um, way wide to a high left. And then against the Yotes, I remember he had three misses on legitimate grade A opportunities. So... I, I, I'm honestly, I've, I've liked what I've seen from Kajul all year, but this is, I think, becoming somewhat reoccurring, and I really want to see him do better with that shot. Then from Dr. Tarek Anmar, the others game is so boring the broadcasters are talking about sports cars. Gene Principe, I'm looking at you. Sometimes your humor is good. I thought your pregame shtick with the whole, um, with the, calling the cops and making the jokes with Talbot. I thought that was actually pretty good, but we don't need that stuff in the middle of the game. This is a hockey broadcast. Let's Let's move on. Then from Julie Y, the Tampa broadcast just called us one of the best teams in the Western Division, hashtag Oilers, along with a smiley emoji. And I just want to say, get used to it, Julie, because we're going to be good for a long time. And that's it for this time on the Oilcast, but I will be back here tomorrow night. Um, The Oilers are in Florida playing host to the surging Florida Panthers, and hopefully I'll be talking about us back on the winning streak. Until then.